This episode is brought to you by the Project Manga Patreon, the best way for viewers to support the project and allow us a means to keep providing new and quality content to our subscribers. Go to patreon.com slash projectmanga and find out more about the perks we have available to patrons, including early access to all of our content and exclusive videos like behind-the-scenes footage and additional manga reviews. That's patreon.com slash projectmanga. All right, let's get into the episode. Welcome back to the Project Manga Podcast, where we cover One Piece, My Hero, Black Clover, Dr. Stone, Marshall, and Jujutsu Kaisen, week to week. Back this week, covering Weekly Shonen Jump, issue number 51. I am your host, Eagle. And I'm Melo Yenis. And uh, as you can tell, Knox is absent this week. We were uh, giving him a bit of a break so he could spend some time with some family. So, yeah. <laughs> With that said, as always, before we get started, we would like to have you take a look in the description box down below where you can find links to any and all of our individual social media accounts, such as Twitter, online communities like Discord, places to listen to the podcast, audio listening platforms, whichever you prefer, you can find us there, as well as links to support the podcast through our online store or our Patreon. And with all those words said, oh, also, while you're down there, slap a like on the video and subscribe to the channel for more Fire as weekly content. Also, there will be timestamps where you can conveniently navigate through the video if you want to avoid spoilers. So, what a fantastic we can jump. Everything's here. Everything it, is here. No, no health breaks, no kind of like relaxations. It's like, ah. All six, my fuckers. All six. Let's go. Great we'll week. Also, said, oh. yeah, no, no, go ahead. No, what were you gonna say? I'm just super excited for our first chapter. Yes, I am as well. Yeah, yes. Well, let's get right into it. Chapter 166 of Jujutsu Kaisen, Tokyo Number One Colony Part Six. And, uh, so cool. Yeah, you might as well lead us in since you're so excited about it. Oh man, uh, I really like so so i like that we confirmed that higuruma's ability lets him know what the evidence is yeah automatically yeah so it's a very one-sided thing and so and it's interesting that like we were talking about it last episode about how higuruma's like personal resentment and like um biases would influence the use of judgment yeah you know so I just, I, I just really like that they really confirmed that thing. And he's like, he could recognize kind of like really dark parts of himself where he's just like, yeah, I should not be a judge. Yeah. I, I'll, 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 I'll get jaded and make horrible calls to people. I will not give true leniency. I'll not give true unbiased stuff so acting as a prosecutor he limited himself and i think that's really telling of who he is as a person he's like hey you know um you know there was uh someone who told me is like oh i don't think it's that power all power corrupts it's that power is magnetic to the corruptible yes so like being self-aware of that corruptible nature within himself 
really stands out to Higuruma for like being like a good agent of justice. Well, and he knows he's a good empathetic person too, right? He's like, I don't want to put mm -hmm. myself in those positions to where like I have to make those judgment calls, you know, like this is mm -hmm. somebody's life I have in my hands type shit. And I'm going to want to delve into things more than they're actually going to do in the, you know, court setting with as corrupt as it is, you know. Um, but I mean, what was that? I mean, look at him at page two. He's hearing the verdict. He knows the evidence and he looks miserable. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, I'm not about it. And then he, I, I guess I'll do it like when he's talking about it he's like you know ugly that's what i thought every time i tried to help another person that includes itadori all people are weak and ugly no matter how high-minded a soul you aspire to be there's nothing to it darkness before your eyes is just darkness if you shine a little light all you see is more emptiness beside you and he's like getting himself riled up he has to psych himself up to carry this out yeah because he knows it's not right and i i love that in this chapter like such good what do you think about the choreography just straight up like i think the choreography is tight especially like when he comes in with the blade and yuji is like throwing all the desks and chairs up and like weaving in between them and like he throws mm -hmm. his jacket to feign the fucking sword strike and like comes in feigns the strike with his you know punch but throws the shirt and then comes yeah the sweet kick higuruma shoot hops it and then they're coming with the fucking uppercut and slash. And um, and at that point, Higuruma, like, is, you know, thinking about the evidence. And, you know, he take, he puts the executioner's blade away and takes the shot from Itadori. And I just thought, yeah, I thought the choreography through that, like, battle sequence was, like, I mean, like Maxi's always saying, the way the paneling and the choreography flows through Jujutsu Kaisen seems like you're watching an anime scene. You can just, like, follow it so well and imagine the way it flows so well. It just seems like a scene in the anime. That's the best way to put it. I think that a lot of manga have, like, really realized that, like, you know, to truly succeed as a serialization, they need to do more than just get published as a manga. They need, like, games, they need movies, they need animes, they need light novels, they need all these other extra, like, criteria to draw in money for intellectual properties. And they're like, hey, you know what? This series is cool. Like, Parasite, right? It was a series that was made in the 70s. It was not really drawn to be an anime initially right like it was that really wasn't the big concept and it wasn't made a man to anime until like just a few years ago like almost 20 years later where people are like we love this series it deserves to be an anime and it's like a lot of these manga nowadays the new ones or at least the ones that are current not new but current a lot of them are aware of that and i've noticed that a lot of them have been like taking a very cinematic approach to like way they do like fight scenes and like compositions the way they're like kind of like staggering things because like we know that like using frames uh and all this stuff to kind of organize and collate like give impressions like editing is a huge thing between both of them so like there's always been overlap but i feel like it's been really emphasized recently um and I like that Higuruma can't reach his eye. 
that's just because he talks about it's like I can't look away from injustice. So when he's about to commit injustice, he can't look. He can't look at it right. He 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 can't look at it, and he can't face his own like personal choice to cut down Yuji and deactivates. And then what a page turn! He just gets gut punched. Page fourteen. Without any cursed energy like amplification or reinforcement, that you know that I mean, like just rocked Higuruma's shit. Like he was like, <sighs> even with reinforcement curses on, like technique on himself, Yuji throws chairs like it's nothing. Yeah. He almost threw his shirt like a weapon. Like he's just like, he was, tossing he a was weapon, scattering right? them. He was scattering them. Yuji's a beast. Yeah. Uh, and then we get this heartfelt dialogue where, you know, Higuruma's just like, yo, like, why did you admit to the crime? Like, you didn't do it. The evidence was about the demon inside you, Sukuna. Mm -hmm. Like, you didn't willfully uh, relinquish control of your body over to him. You're innocent. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And Absence like, of reason. You just, just like, I'm Man. too weak. Like, it's my fault. And he blames and he pulls himself. Up the chair, yeah. Like, put your shirt on, man. We're going to have a discussion. I'll give you 100 points. And, like, at this point in the chapter, I was just like, man, I'm really fucking with Higuruma. And he's dispelled judgment at this point, right? Yeah. He, yeah. I mean, uh, Higuruma, I mean, he, I like, Yuji asks him at 16, he's like, why'd you dispel why'd you your curse technique? technique? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And. And then he's like, have you ever killed someone of your own will? And he's like, yeah. And then Higuruma's like, oh, I see. Didn't it feel awful? And I'm just really looking forward to like Higuruma being a part of the squad now. Somebody said in, yeah. in my live reaction, like Higuruma's going to be the new Nanami to uh, Yuji, which i'm i would love that dynamic you know i would really love oh and they kind of got similar faces too yeah. honestly i believe that was siva akil or um maybe somebody else in the twitch chat i can't remember but mm -hmm. shouts out to them they uh they spotted that dynamic and i i'm looking forward to it if that's going to be the case i'm i want higuruma to be a part of the, the gang 100 percent that's such a cool parallel for him to be like the new Nanami because like they're both working men, right? Like like jaded. respectable, respectable, jaded, you know, working class guys. Yes. One was a business salary man and one's a lawyer, like yeah. a public servant. I'm just like, bro, this is wild. We'll get that scene from uh Nanami, you know, always used to have that tie pull scene. We'll get that scene from, you know, Higuruma where he's just, mm, all right, let's get busy. I miss Nanami, man. Fuck. Ah, such a good character. For real. It went out like man, a and I like that both their uh, curse techniques are both related towards their jobs. Where so, so Nanami's like, I have overtime. And Higuruma's just like, I have a courtroom. That's that's, that's really what I do. Spot too. That's another really crazy like juxtaposition and parallel between the two characters that their curse techniques are both like really related to their job. They, identi they, like, they identify themselves by their vocation a little bit. 
And then they're both like, hey, you know, the things I don't like about my job is that I don't actually help people. So, like, they have very similar gripes about what they do, but they're both very effective. Um, Like, Nanami always seemed extremely capable, just like Higuruma. Um, Yeah. Man, that's... I did not expect that. And they, yeah, man, like, they have... And Nanami had like the white suit, right? And the white hair, and then Higuruma's got the black hair and the black suit, so it's a nice like color parallel. Yo. Like balancing out. Like that's that's Jesus. such a spot, man. I that hits me. I love parallels like that. Thank you. Good spot. Um the part that I thought was really interesting is that like once he like you know puts down the guns so to speak gets clocked he's just laying there and then he just starts reciting law code like the driest possible shit and he's like hey or control signifies non-compass mentis your body in shibuya in other words you couldn't control yourself and you didn't abandon self-control voluntarily so you're innocent you didn't commit that crime that was some powerful dialogue for me. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting because the court system is flawed in that sense. Like, people can confess to a crime even if they're actually innocent to it. Whether they feel, like, pressured by outside forces, you can see things about, like, court fixings and stuff, um, where people can get blackmailed into confessing to a crime and to take the blame so that other people can get away with it. You see it in like crime dramatizations all the time. Or even a um, case like Yuji's where they feel they are mm-hmm. responsible even though law dictates that they aren't, you know? Yeah, like um there was a guy uh god, there was a there was like a little YouTube thing that I saw and I only saw like the first thing. It was like a preview to a show or something. And this guy had like hit a kid on a bike. He had the guy driver had the right of way. The kid was on a bike, jaywalk, basically blew through the red light, got hit. And the guy was like, oh, my God, it's my fault. Oh, my God, it's my fault. And like one of the, like the paramedics was there is like, oh, dude, stop saying that. Seriously, stop, stop, stop saying that you're you're not helping yourself. It's not your fault. I know that you hit the guy, but it's not your fault. Please stop saying that. I can't help you further than that and just because like then like the cops were coming and the guy was going to get arrested and he was going to just confess to a thing and they're like all right easy peasy cut and dry book them you know it's my fault it's my fault yeah and like you can't like it's almost it's like the easy way out you know so i like that higuruma's like actually like taking it like I like that Higuruma couldn't bring himself to like. He's really trying to unpack his talk over like, people. How Yuji feels about it, what really went down, <laughs> and like, I don't know what what like what do you think they are going to talk about next chapter? Like, because that's something I feel we should speculate on. Like, um, you know, they're really just gonna like Higuruma's really just gonna try to unpack like Yuji's circumstance and his situation. I with think Sakuna. they're gonna share. I think they're going to do a little bit of like a back and forth sharing because I think Higurum is like, didn't it feel awful? And I think he's going to go into depth of like how he felt. And then later he was just like, well, 
you know, with the curse technique and then maybe the way we might explore the way he justified it to himself. Like, oh, they deserved it. They were all part of a horrible system and all they're all guilty by association. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I think we'll probably talk about, like, Junpei shit next chapter. Like, Yeah. Or, or the fact that Yuji doesn't really differentiate the value of life of a curse to a value of life of a human. And then... Higurum is like, oh man, you're even nicer than that. What the? F <laughs> like, right. um, I just, I wonder how that's gonna be going. I think Higuruma might just like kind of like confess his own crimes because like he killed off a whole courtroom, right? Like he effectively did mass murder when yeah. he activated his curse technique. Um, so I want to see that kind of thing. When and then like originally you mean originally because he talks about like the people he killed right like because when he first gets judgment he's like i demand a retrial this is chapters ago I guess, um, well i guess i assumed that was like yeah i don't know it looks like maybe it's just because he hated them like he was so angry or something like some front desk people yeah i think that's an i think that's um that to me looks like uh, a court um, because one yeah, guy's like dressed in a suit, which is like a lawyer. The other one looks like robes. So I think that's the head judge. And that desk is the judge's desk. I, don't know. Well, I guess to me it looked like an office. Desk, not even an office, I guess. Or maybe just like a front desk, like the like the concierge or the, or the front desk mm. or something, you know? Who knew? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like... Um, uh japanese courts are a little more like practical as opposed to like american courts which like kind of takes over the leftover from like british parliament courts and stuff where it's like I a little more stately the judge had like a phone there on his desk or, or on, their, <laughs> yeah. on their desk i should say right um maybe i don't know but i remember him like getting really mad at a verdict and like demanding a retrial and that's what activated the first time for judge man mm -hmm. and then we fast forward a little bit and then you see him and he's like, yeah, I just want to do this. Like there was a point where um, he kind of won because early in the chapter, he said he wanted to. Um, on page 11, until that point, at the very least, I thought I should value that very depravity. Mm -hmm. So I feel like he's like, well, I'm in a crazy world and I hate it and I can't stop hating it. How do I like cope with it? And so he starts like indulging his like baser instincts, his cruel impulses. And like he does kill people using judgment. He kills a lot of people using judgment, right? Like he he's racks got, up 100 points. 100 points yeah. yeah. And that's after he entered the colony it took him a while to get there like yeah. took him a few days it took him 12 days he did a lot of stuff so like maybe he's been on kind of like um oh god i don't even know what to call it like a killer's high but like you know that sort of high that you get from like life or death scenarios where he's just like running on that and now that he's had a time to like stop his momentum actually reflect and like deflate I kind of want to see how he's going to like mm -hmm. reflect on what he's done yeah so far i feel like that's the direction of the next chapter um i love on page 13 
Yuji's clear eyes, like, facing him clearly without, like, remorse, but also without regret or resentment. Just like, these are just the things we're doing and we have to do it. Page 13. Yep. Yep. And I just love that. Because it's... Yeah. Man. And I I mean, just... I got something else, too. Like, just aesthetically about the uh, the Executioner's Sword. The way it's just kind of like a... cursed energy blade kind of it's not doesn't even mm-hmm. really have like an actual like metal blade it's just again like that gavel is kind of the hilt and then that yeah i liked that a lot it's out of the gavel oh it's so nice mm-hmm. i like that a lot the very like kuwabara yu yu haka show kind Kuwabara. of stuff i'm a sucker for that i'm a sucker for the energy sword man yeah. and that's why i love star wars yeah. um but the thing I really liked about the sword was, because um, we were talking, it's like, oh, maybe it's an executioner's axe, maybe it's a guillotine, because like all the guillotines that happened when he did the domain expansion. Mm-hmm. But I forgot that um, uh, Lady Justice, the statue of Lady Justice, she's blind, carries a scale, which is the shape of Judge Man, and also carries a sword. So I love that, like, they work that in there, and I feel kind of silly not even, like, thinking about that. that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. I don't know. I mean, I, I think this is a relatively straightforward chapter of Jujutsu Kaisen here, but... Um, yeah. Something else... It's like very emotionally significant. Kind of a, kind of a spot-on is just the 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 something we didn't talk about also is the executioner swords like actual like application or its ability the harshest one sh- touch kill with confiscation first confiscation removes the ability to use a cursed technique or cursed energy in itadori's case which we knew then he mm-hmm. receives the executioner sword which is new this chapter and it says without exception anyone cut by the executioner sword will die so is this kind of like some uh wild is this like uh like if you even get nicked it's just insta death like it saps your soul out or 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 do we think yeah, it's I... like an uh undead unluck kind of like unrepair rip type situation where if you get cut by it you get an unclosing wound which will eventually kill you <clears throat> Ooh, that's interesting part of me thinks the f- for former rather than the latter you think because um because it's hard of, to, ma- to imagine a cursed technique like that would just instant instant kill someone. But I guess we get a lot of those in within the more powerful modern um, domains. So I guess it's yeah, not, it's well, not too far fetched. Sorry though. I mean, it's it's an application of like the one shot one kill domains, but the points to get to that domain are very conditional because like it has to be a a crime that warrants the death penalty yeah and then b they have to be charged as guilty so like i think i mean even in our real life it's hard to convict someone that seems obviously guilty right um so like having yuji admit guilt even when he's innocent like i think that was very poetic i think very timely especially like i feel like this chapter really hit hard uh at least for me considering uh the recent uh 
decisions with uh, the Rittenhouse trial. Um, it, yeah, I think it's a former, mainly because, before I get off topic, um, the law has a thing against cruel and unusual punishments. So, like, a small nick where you unrepair and you eventually just bleed out would be considered cruel. So I think that, because, so, like, when you ex when you execute someone, we use chemicals that is sometimes. Yeah. We use chemicals. Uh, the chemicals like are actually pain quite painful. Yeah. And, and things like that. You know, the chemicals yeah. are painful, like you make a point, but they also do kind of mix it with things that I think block out those yeah. pain receptors. Yeah, the thing. They actually do a thing where, like, A, it's supposed to numb it, but if you get the balance wrong, it won't really. It's like horribly painful, and they're like... And then, <laughs> and then sorry, one of the things know. they also do normally um, is they induce a paralytic <laughs> so that people can't freak out while they're dying yeah. so they actually stay still and so for the people that observe the execution process it's a lot more palatable i don't know it's a fucking weird it's, i don't world. know why you would ever want to observe a thing like that but i guess hey to each their own i maybe you know, maybe if if it's like in a circumstance where you know you a murderer's you know victim killed your family, family you exactly. want to see yeah, you want to see that justice again, get that closure but I think so that the people me, that are being judges, I honestly don't think that the uh, death penalty should be a thing. Um, yeah. I mean, it's tricky because I feel like there's some cases where I, I can see the merit in it, but as like a general broad statement, barring like exceptions and stuff, like, like, like egregious exceptions, right? Um, I think that it shouldn't be done because... I personally have no faith in any like legal um, or governmental body's authority to not abuse the death penalty, yeah. because like we've had um, we've had a lot like you can just Google search you know young, young black men that were innocent that they found out they're innocent thirty years yes. later and they were put to death. You know, like, yeah, that's the only time, like, I don't want to get too far off topic here into yeah. like, legality discussions or whatever. Mm -hmm. like, it's the only time I really agree with it is that in egregious cases, like terrible crimes where it's like bona fide like war crimes. DNA proof where like either war crimes. Yeah. Or like horrific, like serial killer murders where there's bona fide, like DNA proof, like, yeah, like this dude beyond the shadow of a doubt, like modern dna science can prove that you know if you kill over like 50 people or like over like 10 people or something can, like that probably get you out of here pretty pretty yeah because like because killing a person can mount a life sentence if you have multiple life sentences isn't that just the same as one life sentence like i don't know it's a weird thing um i don't know because like i think uh watching a movie like gamer made me think i was like do i really trust any any authority institution with yeah. the death penalty if they don't like exploit it in some way you know so i i see where higuruma is coming from where he like chooses empathy even though it's hard even yeah. though it hurts he chooses to like empathize which i really appreciate yeah i think so. um but um yeah i think I think that's really about all I had for this chapter of Jujutsu Kaisen. 
I only had one little thing that I wanted to touch on. Um, what do you think he's going to use? Yuji's going to use the first hundred points for. Um, you know, I think they. I think they had a plan for the hundred points, right? Yuji and mm. Rumi. I, I think I forgot what their plan for the hundred points was, but I think he'll probably stick to the plan. Unless, mm. Yeah, I know it's going to be within. Unless he and some... through their conversation come to like some a new idea some, some oh. uh, agreement on like what a good rule to implement could be that would you know satisfy both of their interests hikaruma's the perfect ally to have in this point he knows how to game the system he knows what rules would stick yeah and be hard to wriggle around well, and he's well versed in just the legal system the overlapping and all those of rules yeah overlapping and overlaps. rules and go duck it oh okay play the fucking system like a bastard oh my god dude hikaruma is gonna be the first curse lawyer curse lawyer and something else like i feel we should touch on is just like obviously something that shines in this chapter is just like gege's ability just his character writing in general and like writing of character interactions and meaningful confrontations within characters that like allow them to come to a deeper understanding with each other through that like just i don't know that that combat and that showing of character you know what i mean yeah i just feel like, like that's something we touch on a lot very reminiscent of hunter hunter Mm -hmm. Gega has a lot of strength in character writing and expanding on characters and their understanding of each other through combat. Like it's it's something that feels really nice and flows well within the chapters and allows the pacing to be good at the same time. Yeah, I mean like page 16, that line he's just like I remembered why I got into law in the first place. And that's like it, like of lines it reminds me of kind of like a very return to center moment like i've strayed from who i am as a person i want to return to that center and i love lines like that especially for hikaruma because he was acting kind of wild he was hanging out in a bathtub fully clothed okay full of water he was not doing good <laughs> like he was struggling he's like i just want to feel something even if it's stupid <laughs> But yeah, I think I think that's that's all I had for this chapter mm -hmm. of Kaisen this week. That's it for me. Alright. Well, with that, I think we can go ahead and get right into chapter 219 of Black or not Black Clover, sorry, Dr. Stone. Three heroes. And uh this was a kind of a fun hype, goofy transitional chapter where we kind of got some conditioning challenges to decide on you know who oh, the yeah. warrior will be and who the scientist will be and stuff like that i think it was pretty predictable as far as like you know who the final squad would be we knew it would be ryusui we knew it would be senku the only real debate i think was who the warrior would be i kind of assumed it would be sukasa but yeah he does make some valid points as to like wait and the person who being up there you know kind of a need to be nimble and shit we don't know exactly what we're going to be facing you know somebody who's a little more nimble as opposed to like brute strength could be nice so yeah but i really enjoyed this chapter 
I really thought, oh, it's so good. Um, this one is the Senku 17 for this one. So I wonder... The Senku 17 where? Uh, first page. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, I mean, they've, they've obviously, you know, had a fair bit of test rockets and stuff they've had to scrap out. Yeah, I I do like that they've they've been slowly upping the numbers as the chapters have been progressing. Yeah, well, it just shows how much time is really going by and how many attempts they've really had to try at this to to succeed. You know, makes makes it feel more realistic. You know. Yeah, and we I do like that. Oh, go ahead. All right. Um. So I kind of want to focus on the fact that like they're actually. Because, like, so far, the chapters have been kind of going in a steady progression of, like, we've gained this, we've gained that, we're, we're progressing, we're steadily building up for the big moment. And then I like that the tension here, like, there's two major tension points of, like, who's the warrior? And then the other one is, is Senku actually physically up to the task? Like, <laughs> I like that yeah. they're putting him in a place where he's not succeeding. I love that. Yeah, me too. Well, I mean, we, we always knew he wasn't the most physically apt, but for them to be like, man, can you even, like, maneuver and carry around the weight of the space suit? Like, when you think about it, like, in damn, even in low gravity, my man's is going to be struggling with the space suit. I guess I always assumed that, at the very least, the little in, chicken legs. In, once you get up into the zero-G and low-gravity settings, that that space suit really wouldn't hinder you too much, but I guess that it, it is still weight on you, you know? Mm -hmm. you got to move around but i guess i didn't assume i always assumed it wouldn't be that heavy based on the materials it's made out of but to withstand like the vacuum of space it, i guess it does have to be pretty heavy. probably has to be yes. reinforced yeah. probably has to be reinforced he's probably carrying air like i think about like diving like yeah. if you think about scuba gear those those tanks are heavy like they can't be they have to they have to be made out of really sturdy material to not like compress themselves during a vacuum because like you need to have a sturdy enough oxygen supply yeah so I'm i feel sure like that's gonna be a lot of the weight i'm sure they'll expound on the materials and stuff once we really start getting into the the uh, making of the spacesuits here in dr stone within that mm -hmm. you know but uh, if anybody has any insight onto the materials and how they make you know spacesuits let us know in the comments it'd be interesting to hear otherwise i'll probably just look it up you know who knows but um yeah we yeah. had the the swimming contest, the clothes swimming contest and shit, the Ishigami village goers. That are, are made sense to their, me. Yeah, well, obviously, yeah, they, they're like, oh, yeah, they're a water, they're a water people, you know, so it makes sense they would be good swimmers. They're mm -hmm. all flexing on everybody like, ah, 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 look at us going, but. We swim every day. We're kids in the water, yeah. Bunch of river rats. Yoga flexing on everybody. I was surprised we didn't get Kohaku in any of these swimming panels. I think they were saving her up for the big reveal. That's right. Yeah. Um, for the big twist on like page twelve, thirteen. Yep. Exactly. Where that's what I figured while I was reading it, and then it did get pretty much confirmed. Yeah, where Kohaku beats Sukasa to the top in the land race or whatever, and she just straight up like outscaled everybody. She jumped super high. 
Yeah. So I'm just like, I like, I think that'd be really cool because like you need that kind of explosive force if you're going to be like on the moon to like jump high enough to like get, jump with enough force to like propel you forward. Yeah. So well, I can I'm see... like wondering like, can you jump with enough force on the moon to just launch yourself into space? Like, is it? Oh, no. No, the gravity will keep I don't know. That that'd song. be funny. I don't think so. Like, I don't know. That's the thing. I genuinely don't know. But that'd be a horrible image to have. Kaku jumps, removes herself from the game. Just, Again, uh... let us know in the comments. Is that a danger? Can you jump hard enough on the moon to just launch yourself? Like, is that something you got to be careful? Any of? science nerds out there? I feel like there is. Science nerds. I feel like there is. Know. We've been talking about Doctor Stone know. for a while. I know I mean, you're out Senku, there. Again, Senku and them. I eventually feel like will you know delve into this if it's going to be an issue. Like, yo, y'all got to be careful don't go too crazy if you jump too high or do anything too crazy you can get launched into space the gravity is not as intense on the moon so but um right after sukasa like gets beat by kohaku he's like oh, and then i don't know I, I i guess i didn't i didn't assume that he was gonna call her up when she was going up to talk to him that he would be testing her battle skills but like yeah i, I was like oh what does sukasa want to talk about but it makes sense that he would kind of, you know, want to really test her abilities in battle, one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one in that kind of setting, to really determine for himself whether she's the best candidate. And then it, uh, it does feel really nice, the dialogue we get from Sukasa acknowledging Kohaku, because in the past he kind of did, like, brush her off and... and he stunted on her a little bit. Stunt on her, stunted on her and, and dismissed her as something that was like, okay, like, you're you're caught, you're kind of cold, but, like, you ain't fucking with me too much. Now he acknowledges her, like, through, through your experiences in these life-or-death battles, like, you have become a warrior that is just as formidable as, as Hyogo or even me. Like, you may not believe it, but, like, through our exchange just now, I can tell. And she's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can tell, too. You know, you don't sleep on me. But... As a Kohaku fan from day one, it it, feel, it feels really nice for me. I, it's I love it really satisfying. It is very satisfying. I honestly wondered at first when Senku was like really struggling with like r swimming. I was like, are they gonna send Chrome? Because that'd be hilarious. <laughs> like Senku, <laughs> like, especially not by himself. Like with with Senku, Chrome is cold. But like yeah, in a exactly in a like vacuum and in a pinch don't get me wrong like i'm a chrome fan like chrome is cold he'll he'll you know do some shit in a pinch like he got himself out of the prison back in the in the sukasa you know um imprisonment arc or whatever mm -hmm. it recently got animated in season two which was gas as fuck nice chrome definitely has his abilities to in a pinch like do some science type shit that is tight as fuck and he's definitely had great character moments throughout the series but like in a setting on the moon like this where you need a real scientist Chrome is not the one. Yeah, I, um, I get that. I had that moment, though. I was like, oh, that'd be kind of funny. That would, um, that would be funny. And Zeno, I, like I, I kind of assumed like Zeno might have been a huge candidate to throw up on the moon just because he's somebody that is as knowledgeable as Senku, and it would be safer to put him up on the moon just as far as the Stanley situation goes, I think. But he does make a great point. Again, like I was a NASA scientist. I can really, I'm the only one who can really stay here on the ground and play <laughs> that part, making sure that the, everything with the, the launch and the, and the landing goes. This is his expertise. Arm. This is my expertise, right. And Senku, you know, he doesn't, like, he's he's done. He's the all-rounder. He's launched his little homemade rockets into space and shit. But as far as this goes, 
you know, like you need somebody you know he didn't do it professionally at the helm on the ground you know yeah he didn't do it professionally something um, we talked about before too that i'm like really interested to see their plan on is how exactly they're going to plan to have the revival fluid revive everyone you know are they gonna like you would assume they're gonna have to come up with a a pressure system that is gonna make the gravity mm -hmm. as if it were on earth because if, in that like zero g setting in space how are you gonna be on the shadow of a doubt guarantee that this revival fluid is gonna hit them when it could just come out of whatever oh, or mechanism um, you put it in and just like float i wonder if they have like a pressurized thing because like i like the idea that they yes, petrify the astronauts words it at them yeah i was i was thinking of like um like uh, like i like the petrification thing to save on oxygen to get up there so totally i it made so much sense to me i was like that's that's a beautiful idea i love that um and the part that I question, something else too, but continue. Sorry. Yeah, the thing I wondered um, was basically I imagined like like a film, like a thin plastic membrane over their bodies, over their petrified bodies, that when they get like a signal back from Earth or after a set amount of time has been elapsed, it'll like kick in a mechanism, and that mechanism will be pressurized to fill the bag with containing the petrified bodies with fluid and then they'll become a thing and before they suffocate they can just rip the membrane hmm. so that, that way too. yeah because like fluids floating around in space dust garbage floating around in space is always really tricky because um you don't want fluids getting sucked up into vents you don't want debris getting like particulate sucked up into filters like punching holes into filters and things yeah. or piping or anything so like it's a very delicate process so i'm unsure how they're actually going to apply the the depetrification solution it could, yeah it could be like um like we kind of started to get into earlier like maybe like a pneumatic kind of mechanism right mm -hmm. above their heads that kind of like squirts it at them you know in a line with some pressure which could mm -hmm. be a way to guarantee that it would hit them, you know, because if it has some some pressure behind it, even in that zero G, it's going to, you know, be directional. You can direction, you can direct it. Um, but there's just, there's, there's plenty of butt clenchy, potential for butt, butt clenchy situations because of how machines can malfunction and problems you can All have. All the time. Like, like with the depetrification, like, they're going to have a certain amount of depetrification de fluid. What if like one of the met what if one of the mechanisms does malfunction and like only one or two of them gets uh, depetrified and then they don't have the depetrification fluid on hand to uh, actually depetrify that third person or, you know, what if Senku can't unpetrify his arm? What if it leaks? You know, the well, I fluid think, leaks. I think once, you know, even if one drop hits you, like it's going to depetrify because they usually just pour it on their face and it like depetrifies the whole body. So I think oh, as far as that okay. goes, we're all right. But I mean, then could, I think it's and, not too bad. And another thing that comes to mind is the oxygen system. Like, is it going to be a timed thing where it's supposed to kick in? Okay, like, so they're going to be petrified for this amount of time. So 24 hours after the launch. The oxygen system is going to kick in. They're getting depetrified at that exact moment. 
could that malfunction they get depetrified in the oxygen system as malfunction and like they're not they get no oxygen they now it's a bunk clenchy situation where like senku has to try and fix it while they're suffocating and shit like mm-hmm. there's just a lot of potential for butt clenchy situations with absolutely i mean look at the movie the martian it's precise like not only with the moon landing like all that calculation and precision that needs to be in hand but like with them planning to be petrified until right when they have to land it's just crazy Mm -hmm. or 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 is it until after the landing yeah like what's gonna happen also like they need to prepare for extra oxygen just in case there's no real oxygen on the space station right like a minimal amount of atmosphere within the base yeah because i'm still firmly in the why man is an ai i think why man you is know. an ai too i think i'm on, that, I'm I'm, on i've been that sold on it i'm on that um, well and like he doesn't need oxygen so <clears throat> just enough to keep the computers from like you know falling apart yeah. um so i wonder i thought the maze was really funny <laughs> The mazes were on funny. page 10 oh like i love that kohaku is just like hey you know you should do this thing and it's just like yeah i like how they only showed her like doing things she was bad at until she did the super jump like she basically just double jumped yeah she, she got really hard lapped and then <laughs> quick as fuck bro man I, I really like that. I love that Kohaku gets to be the person because they needed at least one person from the stone world yeah. to be part of the team. I felt like that was integral. I like that Kohaku is like getting like main stage attention for this thing. Um, and the thing that she says on like page 16 is like, spare me the flattery. I know that much from our skirmish just now. Even so, when it comes to martial arts, I can't measure up to you in the least. And Hyoga, not Hyoga, like Hyoga was even talking about Tsukasa, like, but Hyoga before, in many, many chapters before, he was talking about how, how can you stand to fight me? I'm armed with the knowledge of martial arts ingrained into me. Like, that was his big edge over everybody. And so, like, Tsukasa's like, yeah, that knowledge, martial arts, science, knowledge, period, that's the great equalizer. I'm better fighter than you. But that's because I know how to fight. I was taught how to fight. You you can pretty much stand up to me by yourself, raw, untrained. Like if you had the same amount of martial arts training you, yoga and I have, you'd smoke all of us right now. So like I like that note. He's like he's like the gap between us is not the yawning chasm you imagine, especially given the weapons now provided by the kingdom of science. Like science mm-hmm. is a great equalizer. I'm saying you I love that line toe to toe with me in a sword fight. He's like, what I'm best at is like hand to hand combat type shit. You know, in a sword fight, I'm not, you know, you're pretty much just as cold as I am. And in a gunfight, who knows? So, you know, Kohaku could like marksman Kohaku in the future. Like, Dude, she's got a gun in this last page, 19. Like, shit, we're, we're pretty much in the end game of this story now, so like... Marksman Kohaku, coming soon. But, I mean, she's got a, she's got a, uh, uh, like an AR or something on her yeah. fucking chest in the last panel. So, like, well, she, MG, she could be yeah. going through some marksman training right now, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you zoom Blades in. Blades aren't, can... aren't as applicable anyways up there. You don't want to be cutting your own suit, now all of a sudden you're fucking out of there. You know? Yeah, I like that Senku that gets blink. two bl- two knives. Ryusei has got like a gun, like Ryusei's a pistol, got that, like sawed off joint like that. That yeah, axe motherfucker. 
Exactly, that heavy stuff. And he also gets the little crossblade. Like, I really like that. Um, it's interesting that, like, it doesn't look like Senku has a gun, to be honest. Which is really interesting. Uh, but at yeah, the same no, time, he's, he's just a, got, looks like... I think He's he, got, like, two blades. Yeah, he's got blades. And, I mean, that goes back to even the the days of Tsukasa versus, like... He doesn't kill. Senku, not even, but, like, he had that gun. He had the gun. You know, that, that six-top revolver that had the fucking disc up top and six shots with this oh, yeah. muzzle, uh, the muzzle loader balls. And he had the, the blicky and was like, bow, bow. And was like, oh, oh and he couldn't aim for shit. He couldn't aim for shit, yeah. So oh, like, yeah. He gun, it's pointless, you know? I think it's interesting because touching on the fact that Sankus kind of sucks at, like, hand-to-hand -hand combat, they added loops of string on the handles of his swords so that if it gets disarmed, like, mittens on a child, it's like... like a, it's, it's like a Wiimote, you know what I'm saying? It's like it's a like Wiimote control. It's <laughs> like for mittens on a kid. <laughs> it's just like, bro, you're going to get disarmed, like, 20 times in this fight. Like, like But at least you can just flail around. <laughs> All the precautions for Oh man, I just love that little note in there. Yeah, it's just like that's so good. It, this was like a nice tense mission. Um, the only thing I like to think about is that Kohaku straight up doesn't believe Sukasa was willing to betray. She's like, "This doesn't make sense. Why would you no attack one. me? This I is like to this is you would backstab us now after coming this far." And then he's just like, aw, thank you. Like, he's, he looks genuinely touched he on does. page 16. He's just he like, does. I made friends. Mm -hmm. I trust these people. I didn't trust anybody, much less adults. Like, I like that. Good for him. Hell yeah. This was a feel-good yeah. chapter for me. Like, this was a great feel-good chapter. Yeah. So I'm expecting something horrible to happen soon. Yeah. <laughs> We've been getting a lot of these feel-good, kind of transitional, like, well, yeah, well, it's gonna be something real horrible coming up. Devastating, yeah, like devastating. That'd be wild. But yeah, I think yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think that's about all I had for Doctor Stone this week. Inagaki, don't be breaking my heart. Don't be that's breaking my me. heart. Well, with that, I think we can go ahead and get right into Chapter Eighty Six of Marshall Magic and Muscles, Lance Crown and the Wicked <sighs> Whack a Mole. And we start off with this nice little color cover of uh, Lance and the um, Spatial Magic dude. With Mosh also in his uh, next to his little candle since he's in the dark void. He's, he's huddling next to his little light. Uh, dude, I love that he's using like a fucking emergency candle. <laughs> just like, And I can see I'm him just... having this on him and like having started it with just like the friction of his like snap or something. He's just like... Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> friction of the two thumb strikes, man. No, I will, I think it's really interesting that these two characters are both like Lance and Charles Contini are both like the pretty boys of his their groups. Yeah, and then most of the series is just about them being lame as hell. <laughs> like, right? Yeah, they both just fucking are shit. They're just each like, other. just like I I love. Uh, it's it's one of those moments where um. You find a character, or like, it's like when you run into a person that's way too like you, and you're yeah. like, fuck you, dude. I'm the guy who does that. Don't be like me. I hate this sub for some reason. Yeah. 
but oh, um, I think I don't know. Dote's like we don't touch on it. Dote kind of just gets left, but I I want to see how he's gonna try and even fight this this magnetic magic user. Like I can see Lance coming back, and this dude is just like Dote is like I won, up. but it was cool to see you know Lance like persevere and come out you know on top in a situation that is really like this like this guy said it's kind of directly set up against his magic where this mole detects mm -hmm. the mana kind of welling up inside you so that it can you know be on guard for the attack and if your magic isn't fast enough he'll dodge it because he's got like light speed reflexes so this is kind of specifically yeah. tailored to counter um lance's magic and it was cool to see him persevere through that situation and like reflect on his sentimental moment with mash where they kind of made the promise to not lose to one another and through his second like uses such a powerful like over kind of arcing umbrella of mana that it can yeah. and then is able to like pinpoint like with even more speed than normal attack the mole which it was it was definitely cool to see and like his moment of of uh of, um... How you overcame that is really interesting because I liked that because like so far the theme of the series is that these guys play Volkus play dirty right mm -hmm. they're like oh yeah okay cool I'm fighting him I'm gonna fight this guy and I have a plan I know how his magic works it's gravity magic it ain't that fast I have teleportation magic with the whack-a-mole thing it's it's kind of weird it's it's Contini seems um almost i mean he's he's a mama boy like a like a major mama's boy but like yeah. like particularly childish um the rabbiphone was kind of interesting it reminded me of the guy the intro broker that worked for the villains in my hero academia he had a rabbit phone too he also had that oh. gun that was lighter um i forget his name yeah the dude twice yeah. got his fingers cut off by mm -hmm. redestro yes yes so that like when i saw that phone i was just like oh yeah that reminded me of that yeah. um dinner soon <laughs> oh i'm in a fight yeah i'm gonna need some band-aids thanks yeah um he's like oh yeah mom yeah yeah yeah. Oh, okay. yeah i'm gonna be all right yeah i'll call you in a little bit dinner yeah i'll be home for dinner yeah 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 no oh, dude um, it's it's so cute but it's like really funny that they're like like lance is just talking shit like gross what a weirdo right starts talking to a picture of and a then person mimicking the little voice of his sister and this dude's like yo you're batshit crazy what the fuck this guy is insane you know and he's like don't question my sanity you bitch like <laughs> you're just a mama's boy you ain't nothing yeah, and he's yeah. like i've been a mom boy since birth and i'm like mama's that's boy. he's like i've like, been a sister lover since before i was born and, and like, they're like, yeah, that's the Lance is kind of weird. Lance is cringe. Yeah. Lance oh, is cringe. Man. And this dude is cringe, really. They're they're both equally cringe, which was like a big point of the comedy here. It was like what it kind of hinged on and revolved around, you know, them shitting on each other. Yeah. And also, um I always forget this dude's name. Ah, uh, Conti? No, not not Conti. Uh God damn the fucking little brother of the what the fucking divine visionary bro i can't i can't remember this dude's name ever the one line dude in the squad yep yep he's got the little flash of hair and yes. we thought he was a traitor for a while yeah i, I, never I know exactly what you're talking about but like 
Oh, I didn't. Yeah, I was him spectating and kind of commentating on the situation, which is funny. And I feel like a fucking idiot because I always I can never remember his name because to me he's just such like a disappointing minor character who I thought was going to be tight and is just taking this like backseat commentator role. So I don't know. Where's he comment? Oh, there he is. He's like commentating yeah. the situation, like you know, on pages uh, two. Yeah, two, he's or, or kind three, of rather and like and. Uh, seven you know just kind of yeah he's that guy in crows where he's just kind of like kind of weak and just follows along and is like oh my gosh what's yeah. this this is going on i feel like this leans into like older school <laughs> writing for sure it kind of like it reminds me of the series that came out in like the 90s and 80s to be honest uh that kind of like formatting and like these are their roles this is how they're gonna like portray dialogue etc like very extreme like very silly lines done like dead serious um i thought the whack-a-mole was kind of like a bit whimsical but it did like i did like that way it was an interesting way to do teleportation magic as opposed to like what teleportation magic usually is yeah. because then like it's not being too much like Black Clover with teleportation magic, because like that's the the obvious one would be, or like watching him kind of like punch through a hole and like punch the guy in the back of the head or something like that. Like you see that stuff all the time. So like the the whack a moles with like the fucking perms and the boxing glasses, boxing gloves, yeah. um, I think is like really interesting. I like that they're like they detect magic and that's why they're so fast. And then they're just like, yeah, nah, it's fine. We got this. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I guess the last thing I kind of wanted to touch on was just like something I love to see across the board in manga is like the resolve and the camaraderie. Like I loved, mm -hmm. I loved Lance's resolve and pages like really like 17 onward through the end of the chapter where he's like, again, thinking back to his kind of, um, promise with mash not to mm -hmm. lose their interaction with one another where you know mosh was like oh or he's telling mosh like don't lose and mosh is like oh you don't have to warn me because it won't happen but thanks i'm glad you said it you know so mm -hmm. you make sure not to lose either and he's like you think i'm gonna lose and then that's when he kind of whips out the second turns up smacks mm -hmm. the ball a bunch of times and like um confi gets his ass beat or is that his name? Confi? Uh, Contini. Contini. Um, why did I say Confi? <laughs> uh, honestly, uh, kitchen. But... honestly, that's funny because the guy was like, Monsieur Lance. So I was thinking, because yeah. like, I went to a restaurant that serves duck confit. Yeah. So like, I was like, ah, yeah, 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 no, I can totally see that. Um, but then, it, you know, and then on the last page too, he's like, on the last couple of pages, rather, he's like, for years, I fought solely for the sake of my sister, but you know, I blocked all out all but that one goal. Despite what I'd become, someone helped lead me back to the right path. Now I have two reasons I can't lose. My sister and the promise I made to him. And just like, I love to see camaraderie nice. moments like that. Across mm -hmm. the board in any manga, that's one of my biggest hitting points for what I like to see. Mm -hmm. Personally, big moments of camaraderie like that. Super good for me. Love to see it. Yeah, I like that. Like Lance acknowledges, like despite what I'd become a degenerate, someone reached out to me and said, "Hey, 
you're my friend. And he's like, I value that. I value that a lot. He's like, because he's got a very lonely experience. I feel like Lance um, and Continuing to a degree probably like have lonely lives as characters. And so they like, because like the trope of like the, the, the sister lover, the, the mama's boy and stuff, like the fact that they have um, one person that they project all their emotional needs upon. Mm-hmm. So I like that, like, it's it's a very tired, I feel like it's a trope that's around a lot. It's a very old fashioned trope. So I like that it's slowly getting like, it's good for contrast and kind of for the joke. I like that in this chapter. But for me, I like that the Lance is like, yeah, I'm I'm expanding as a human being. I have other emotional like relationships that I I I draw strength from. So like I really appreciate that near the tail end of the chapter. Yeah. Um, the whack a mole was just funny. I liked it. Um, honestly, I liked it a little better than um, the cue ball one, which was kind of funny. It reminds me of um, something else I've, we've, we've, that we've seen in another manga. Like this whack-a-mole thing seems really reminiscent of something else to me. That like, I just can't, I, I feel like it's right on the tip of my tongue, but I can't fucking think of it. Like, visually it reminds you of like Kumasi from One Piece. You know, the bear, uh, Perona's mm-hmm. bear. But yeah. I just feel like the way it functions... It reminds me a lot of something else that we've seen in another manga, but I just can't fucking put my t- I can't put my thing. Part of me is thinking of like Hunter x Hunter when they're in the video game world, Greed Island. Yeah, that might be it. Um, might be misremembering because there was a lot of like mini games and that kind of stuff. Yeah, in there. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe there was something like that in Hunter x Hunter too, but. God, I'm, I feel like there was something where, like, you had to try and hit it, and it would fucking, boom, fuck your ass Oh, up. um, no. Maybe Jujutsu Kaisen? No. No, because he, because they had the punching bear where he's had to, like, maintain a consistent amount of cursed energy, and if it, they noticed a way, it, it, it would punch him in the face. Jujutsu Kaisen the bear when he was watching yeah. the movies. Yes, yeah, thank you, you so much for watching the yeah. movies. This, the little bear had boxing gloves, and any time mm-hmm. he fucking lost his cursed energy control, it would be like, Mwah! just steal off his ass without saying shit. Yo, that shit. Good fucking Stone shit, cold. Yeah, nice no, shit. I loved, I loved exactly the principle, like, the vice principal's puppets, uh, the corpse Super. puppets. I love those. Um, so yeah, I liked it. I liked that both the moles on either side were different. Like the one beating up Lance has like a pompadour with like, <laughs> and then the one beating up Contini is got like a fucking fro. <laughs> Just... Oh, it does have a fucking pompadour. <laughs> I love that. I love the like cheesy old school haircuts, and they're just like, Kaboom! so like I was like, I totally get where you're coming from for that Jujutsu Kaisen, like the punching dolls. Yes, love yes. that stuff. I'm glad you put that um, together for me because that was like right on the tip of my tongue, and I couldn't fucking get it. Yes, good very story. whimsical. Um, I thought there was um. There's a point where like he's like, yeah, I can teleport both the moles teleport and I can teleport my attacks. So I don't have a gap in time. Like I don't have a gap in delay, which is interesting. And it reminded me of like this um weird uh So in physics, 
there's a thing called Maxwell's demon. It's like a like a demon of physics. And for like thought experiments, like, okay, see so if you have two rooms and one's full of hot air and one's full of cold air and you have two doors, would a, de- a demon be able to open and close the doors at the to- fast enough time to let like an even change of temperature swap the rooms like move fast enough to trap all the fast moving electrons and move the door just at the right time to like let in all the slow moving electrons and like create differences in temperature and swap them out um so like tell us stuff like like zero delay teleportation usually reminds me of stuff like that where it's just like weird physics things (laughs) like schrodinger's cat and all that stuff yeah Yeah, this was a this was a great chapter in Marshall. I think you know, again, kind of a little bit transitional. Like the fight didn't seem too crazy or high diff for Lance, but mm-hmm. I think the real fight we'll get for Lance is like when he goes back. I think the same kind of situation will have happened on the other side, but for the other team, like Lance's real fight is going to be with the magnetism guy, especially mm-hmm. with how hand in hand i feel like their abilities like i feel like gravity and magnetism are, are uh, another parallel so, yeah they're kind of juxtapositions of each other and or they go hand in hand for the most part like because dot was not looking confident to be honest yeah no don't yeah i, mean, I don't <laughs> know what like... he's gonna do to fight against like he doesn't have superhuman strength if he pulls that spike ball shit again it's just over for dote so i don't know I yeah think lance i mean what can you do to explode everything yeah, yeah, I think Lance will go back after getting the key and like Dote will have will have handily been, you know, dispatched of. And that'll be Lance's real high diff fight here within this um within this divine visionary exam final is the magnetism guy. Yeah, I think for Lance he'll definitely have to be the one to deal with that, because I feel like just matchup wise, it's not good for Dot. Dote um I think that what's going to happen is Dote's like going to come to mid-fight mm-hmm. uh, with Lance and um, Rosecrans, Rosequartz, uh, does his, like, stuff, and then maybe he, like, explodes the wall, causes some debris, and then Lance uses gravity to, like, punch that through, because the guy has to apply magnetism to have it affect things. So if you have multiple pieces, maybe it's not as easy to do it on individual pieces like it's ha- it's easier to slip up yeah. i think that way um i'm not entirely sure how to get through that to be honest the magnetism was really strong like yeah. he felt really strong in comparison to like charles right like yeah. there's other ways to do it um <clears throat> yeah i like that lance is getting two parallels one in just kind of like his cringe obsession and now he's getting like in the next chapter he's probably going to get another parallel on the magnetism um and then the only thing i had to say was those moles uh when he dodged the moles uh of what they're going to do like uh page 11 13 where it's like it's clearly mocking me it gives big duck hunt vibes yeah on page 11 it's like just the it's just like stupid dog (laughs) right yeah Yeah, i think that's all i had for marshall this week too Mm -hmm. um well 
with that, I think we can go ahead and move right into chapter 314 of Black Clover, The Mass. And uh, this is obviously referring to the mass of devils and everything that we get to form the Luciferal body and the mass of extra things that we get to form the fucking Black Clover Bull Megazords. Go, go, Power Rangers! That's like in my live reaction. I was singing that as I was reading this chapter. I'm like, what? They really did the Black Bull Zord for sure. Megazord battles. All right. Oh, man. I mean, the title honestly made me think of like, um, like Billy Talents. Welcome to the Midnight Mass, Sunday, hon, breathe your last. Hold your breath and count to ten. (laughs) Yeah. But I love this chapter at the beginning of it. We get Mario Leona. Obviously, that's my girl. Everybody who's been following mm-hmm. the channel for a while knows that's my number one bitch, <laughs> my favorite waifu. Mario Leona's that shit. She's flexing at the beginning of this chapter with her Hellfire Incarnate, explaining how, like, you know, the more you fight with it, the hotter your flames become. And she's, like, blowing this fucking big demon's head off. And then, yeah, one uh, of the major demons too. Like yeah, one of the ancient the major, resurrected demons. Yeah, one of the twins, I think. Yeah. Um, that they summoned. Oh man, you know, her Hellfire Incarnate, like the fact that it's like the more I fight, the more I heat up, really straight up reminds me of that manga that just got cancelled. It was like just got axed. Red Hood. Red Hood. There there was that there was a super buff instructor called Debonair, and her whole curse was that she was ran too hot. Like she ran too hot. Her temperature was too high, and she managed to like convert her curse of like burning up from the inside into like heat attacks. And like using her muscles and re like to punch things and then like you letting out her cursed heat to like incinerate the things that she was touching and like the more she fought the hotter she'd run and the more hotter she ran she could just melt walls eventually like she just melt walls by standing next to them and i was just like oh damn so like seeing that parallel i was like ah yeah i like that like even though that manga is like axed i like (laughs) seeing that kind of idea live on through other series i'm like all right cool this is a long-lasting series you get to at least like explore a little bit of that stuff um and you know she's always been a smoke demon like i understand why she'd be the one that kind of like stands up to other major demons yes i think Um, she was actually featured on i think we had a smoke demons tie-in episode or one shots where she was definitely brought up and mentioned as as a smoke demon man oh so page five you see morris yeah and i mentioned this on the last episode where he's like hey that giant line on his forehead that mouth is like really big right now and uh he's got no whites of his eyes i could see his you know i could see lucifero taking control of that puppet and it totally paid off i was like yeah man and then that double spread on six and seven it just looks it's berserk-esque berserk-esque have you ever seen any of the artwork of hieronymus bosch no uh i will send it to you uh it's it's really stupid hard to spell um but it's spelled uh like hierophant a little bit like uh facebook chat because i can't uh open up the thing at the same time yeah 
Oh, no worries, no worries. But Hieronymus Bosch, uh, he was known for, uh, he was a Dutch guy. He was known for, like, paintings called, like, The Garden of Earthly Delights. And he just had, like, Where's Waldo, I Spy, crazy amount of detail hellscapes that were just, like, just insanity. Uh, he was kind of a renaissance painter, just but really weird about it. Um, and so that spread on six and seven kind of reminded me of that kind of level of like crowded, you know what I mean? Um, Hieronymus Bosch. Yeah. Just look up his art right for a little minute. It's, it's in oh, there. Yeah, it does seem like crowded like almost like mm -hmm. a lot of chaotic kind of grotesque body mm -hmm. and so when i saw this double spread heads and eyes with like grotesque features and mm -hmm. it's, it's it's a little bit of that a little bit of berserk just combined that's our second level of the underworld open um really funky looking dudes i like the vulture guy looming in the background i also like the guy <laughs> right by opened right by the word opened there's this weird like pangolin shell looking dude yeah, yeah you're just like golem or something yeah he's got a little shell on him it's like I yeah like the go. guy front and center like bottom right with like the dog head oh like little like, fiend looking dude if he was like a demon or some shit yeah with like the kind of like classic rounded devil horns um yeah he looks like like a pit, like classical pit fiend and stuff um but yeah it's interesting so they're opening up the gates to hell and then they're like burning up the accelerant of morris but like well it's funny that these demons is like, yami i thought yami was like the power source for that door well, yami, yami gets sucked up too he was the like i believe they were the impetus for opening the gate yami's uh, yami's uh darkness magic he's the key used with the world tree magic would like infect it in a way where it, they could open up the gates of the underworld and oh oh also gets sucked up into this amalgamation of like the demons and shit but it's just funny that these demons come out like they're like trying to turn up and then they just immediately get like sucked, sucked into up. this fucking thing. They don't get to turn up at all. They get to me boyed you know, just right. like I think it's interesting that Lucifero is using Morris's like modification magic to modify all the demons that are pouring out and then fusing them with like the building and themselves to create a proper vessel. He's like, yeah, bro, I'm a top tier devil you think a human body would contain me hell no that's why all these other motherfuckers I mean, lost i need, I need low level devil bodies plus these two these three human bodies that are of like high quality you know and, and building these buildings yeah that's man cool. it's just like that's goofy like uh he just looks horrifying like i think like the like on page 10 and 11 like those like tendrils are starting to wrap up like tumbleweeds yeah. and like maybe they'll become like like fruit you know like that guy from uh bleach that are yeah. uh, on car that like dropped fruit that like became clones and stuff yeah so he might do something like that 
it's gonna be colossal. Uh, I like I like the mech fight with the ultra giant black bull. <laughs> yeah, we get the uh, fate manipulation, absolute evasion, mana recovery, gray multiplication, matter conversion, castle black bull's hideout, curse diversion, magic absorption, recombination. That's like the uh, the ultimate combo we get here from everybody. The fate manipulation magic from Vanessa, mana recovery from Charma. Charmy, Ghosh multiplies yeah. Gray so she can convert the matter into the Black Bulls, like sections more of them. And then mm -hmm. Gordon Gordon and Henry combo so that he can absorb Lucifero's magic, I'm assuming, and then, you know, kind of make this big giant. Use it to reinforce the Megazord. Black Bull. Yeah. I thought I love... know, even, even to like bring that amount of them together, he would probably need to like absorb magic, you know. Cause that's like a bunch of extra sections. Like that's not just the house anymore. It's like a bunch of fucking extra sections. Yeah, they added a bunch of buildings too. Like they're like, nope, we're gonna. I like that they're multiplying gray a lot. There's a lot of like. It feels like that kind of like combination attack that's like really classic of like the early Black Clover. Um, I love that like the mirror eye is bleeding. You know, like oh, yeah. he's he's taking. Da I love that he's taking damage from doing over all of that, over pressing his limits with his magic. Yeah, mm -hmm. even I, with like Charmy's mana recovery too. Some that'll be tight too is that like she did actually turn these castle sections into more sections of the Black Bull's hideout. I wonder if this will be permanent. Like if we now get like a a giant Black Bull's hideout as opposed to what we've seen because their building was already pretty big. Now mm -hmm. we might actually get like, because it was noted how much bigger I think the Golden Dawn's headquarters was and shit, as opposed to the Black Bulls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now we might actually get like a huge sprawling Black Bulls fucking hideout, which would be dope to see. Now this is a guild hall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Oh but man. It was it was it was kind of uh, just a little jarring to me how they like immediately like this was a huge kind of threat supposed to be presented and they were just like fuck you buddy nah, like punched him in his shit yeah because i was watching other people like buildings were collapsing uh, like random mages were collapsing to the ground as gravity magic was just like aoe pressing them all down like like if you look on like page 11 you can yeah. see parts of the ground that are just warping yeah, because it's just pressure. like being pushed by waves of undulating gravity magic um yeah. so like it was kind of interesting to see that power like through power through it and it has to be like the magic absorption thing of henry because i can't think of any other way they would actually be well, and the fate the fate manipulation too and yeah, fate manipulation too you know yeah but like we've had instances where absolute evasion doesn't apply you know like it's like oh i still got hit even through the absolute evasion so like part of me is just like oh yeah but like i can see how that would work if like they're working in tandem like the absolute evasion is working with the magic absorption to kind of like ward off the bad end of being affected by gravity it's it's tricky because it's like this the magic system isn't like the interlocking parts aren't as defined so it's hard to say what is in effect and what isn't yeah except for when you see the results well and if 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 
Lucifero is still able to utilize uh, Morris's modification magic to the yeah. degree that Morris was, where he's able to nullify the fate manipulation magic. Then it really doesn't matter that much. I hope not, honestly, because like I think that I think he was talking about like he's using the rest of like Morris's life to yeah like open up the door, speed up the process. So I think it would be interesting if like Morris dies in that moment and then Lucifero doesn't have access to those abilities once he's completed his proper vessel. Like I was like, oh, thank God I completed the like uh, the vessel before Morse expired. You know, I rang him out for every little ounce of juice he's got, and I'm sitting pretty now, have the big Duke out fight. Yeah. Um, I wonder when, like, Yami is going to be, like, in there, because I know that the gang grabbed him and put him in the giant pile of fluff. Then, did they? No, he's... He's, he's sucked up in the amalgamation. Oh man, so they they still need to rip him out of that. Yeah. So I think that's going to be where the next chapter is because I was like, because uh, like for me the big questions were, what's Asta going to do? What's you know going to do? What's Yami going to do? Where's Vengeance? Vengeance like, is also in there. He was just yeah in there. With He's him. in there too, but like we haven't even seen his face. Uh, yeah, we didn't even see his face, but we did get. You know um, he's page there. four. Um, Langris and Patry are like, oh, Captain Vengeance, William. Ah, mm -hmm. yeah, because I know he's in that other kind of like coffin-shaped pillar. Yeah. yeah, and he's on on the bottom of page four. You can see the two coffins. So like he's in that mm -hmm. other coffin still chilling. We just really haven't gotten focus on him. No, which not I'm sure a lot of people don't really care about. You know, based on the fact that they just like thought vengeance got off easy for what he did and they would like yeah. to see him die and pay for his, his you know crimes quote unquote so I, you know we'll see yeah i don't know he might out. do the heroic sacrifice yeah um and like use his world tree magic untainted by yami's darkness magic and like have a tree grow a holy tree grow in the side of this vessel and just kind of like shove yami in its branches away from the main body and then the guy's like oh no roots growing in my body get it out get yeah, it out you know that kind of thing see, like lucifer's like and all of a sudden you see like a tree branches just burst out of him like, yeah that slows him like down one, enough that like the black bull yeah. zord can like get a couple hits in before it like grabs they like use like the the red string of fate to like grab yami off the thing and like back into with the homie homies like go, go power rangers straight up it but yeah this chapter you know really really quick you know not a lot of like like analytical meat to it i don't think. not a lot of crunch not a lot of crunch but like it's a beautiful art chapter there's like five double spreads with incredible art tabata just flexing the pen as he always you know does and ken um i think that's always been one of the biggest points in black clover or like strengths of black clover rather is is the artistic you know strengths of tabata and yeah, like where he draws his influence from, like we talked about with this like berserk 
slash fucking uh Hieronymus Bosch Hieronymus Bosch esque art and shit like he's he stated he draws a lot of his influence from Berserk and Kentaro Mura rest in peace to the goat fucking yeah it's just it's a it's a great to see Tabata flexing the pen I just love it mm-hmm. no like six and seven fantastic and even on like eight you, if you zoom in and just like look at all those bodies fusing together becoming more you know that's just like there's so many like fine details you can really sink into that art a little bit like like compared to say like the spreads on 12 and 13 right like those are like more of like the epic showcase things but like i'm really sold often on like the fine details like on page 11 where the grounds like warped in multiple places and worn from like waves of gravity magic and i'm just like yes that's where i'm at i love i love seeing that kind of stuff um seeing like uh did you ever play a Mega Man? Yes. Do you remember the the bad guy Yellow Devil? No. It was from like the original uh the original like Mega Man series where it was this giant like nanite robot and it could shoot portions of itself and then recombine it was this big yellow round dude with like arms and legs and a big eye and so seeing lucifera's like main goopy form like beginning to form reminds me of the yellow devil bad guy um a little bit just because it's like vaguely anthropomorphic with a giant eye at the center of its face and i'm like yeah all right all right all right so man but yeah, that's great, pretty much great it for me. Black Clover, and you know, I'm excited to see where things are going. I I personally got big death flags for Yami last chapter, so I'm really on the fence. I I would hate to see Yami die, but I think it could be good for the story in a lot of aspects. Mm-hmm. I think it would be a very unexpected and jarring thing for Tabata to pull on the fan base. It'd so, be very meaningful. You know. We'll, we'll see where things go from here, but uh, yeah, he's still in the frying pan. He's not in the fire yet. Yes. But I think that's about all I had for Black Clover tonight. Same. All right. Well, with that, I think we can go ahead and jump right into chapter 334 of My Hero Academia, Parting Gift. And we start off with this awesome cover of Star and Stripe. You know, in her kind of uh, casual natural form, in her natural form, you know, just one of the tufts up, just one. And she's got this little kind of one eye open, like cheeky grin going on. You know, her day in the sun kind of thing. Yes. Um, You know, last part for us. A lot of motions in that picture, you know, because one's like, you know, I'm looking at something to the side, I'm sighing a thing, and then the other one looks a little more graceful on one side. Um, It makes you wonder how much hair product she uses, (laughs) to be honest. How much hair product do you use? And it's like, oh, yeah, I use like three gallons of that stuff every every time I go out. Um, But um, getting into the chapter, it's like we see fucking... I just love this mental trauma that we get from like all for one as he's like running away. They're like, oh, don't let him get away. Shoot him down. Da-da-da. Fucking. And he's talking about how just before he like 
made the Nomu uh, blow up so he could kind of use it as a diversion and get away. He stole the wing quirk, and now he's kind of flying mm -hmm. off. And he's got you know, to find somebody oh. to give an order to, but then he goes into this thing where, like, our, our Stein's, he remembers Star and Stripes dialogue about how, like, years ago, a Japanese student studying abroad saved me. I went for eight tufts of hair, and he's like, once again, no matter what move I make, there you are and he's just got this mental trauma associated with all might that like haunts him no matter what movie makes because of all might's influence and like how widespread it was and how many people he touched as a hero and saved and influenced yeah and like i mean made them aspire to being a hero because of what he was you know so like they will put their life on the line and you know fucking keep fighting him futilely like, forcing him to effort yeah i i really like it because like despite of all for one's like massive shit talking all for like all might nearly killed him yeah he's the one who came the closest oh yeah they nearly killed each other like he hurt him. him to the point that like he literally had to groom a young child to like replace him to like groom a child and like mutate that kid and like do all kinds of like frankensteinish experiments to like come back he's yeah. like yeah i i'm so ruined even with regeneration quirk i could never recover to my prime and so up beyond belief dude, mr potato head the biggest bad but he like also tore out like all might's left lung and a bunch of his intestines and mm -hmm. shit too so like yeah they fucked each other up man there's there's a really fun <sighs> also one thing so the wing quirk um mm -hmm. of the kids that used to bully deku when he was a kid there was one kid with wings and i've always I and there was the time where they had the kid with the same like a Nomu with the same kind of wings when like he was training under Grand Torino and we're like oh here's that thing, and so I want to see I I still think that the that wing quirk is like that kid I'm I'm on board that with kids. that as well I've heard that speculation in the past and that theory and I'm I'm on board with that for sure it tracks for me to be honest it tracks too um man. something uh, man something I liked seeing you know was this final kind of emotional resolution that we get from the pilot you know that is like the on four and five and yeah on four and five yeah where he's like you know remembers star and stripes dialogue of I'm, i'll make sure your remains make it back to your loved ones as she's decaying away and like they can't collect her remains and he's just mm -hmm. like star and stripe of course you surpassed him you've always been the greatest hero because and just like kind of in his mind giving that closure to her of her dream mm -hmm. of surpassing all might and becoming the greatest hero like you did do it you know you through this sacrifice have proven that you you know you are the greatest hero i mean i think that's really important because like she did tell them it was like hey don't worry about me i'll make sure that your bodies get back to your families you know it, and like when like like so like i've got family that serves in the military like i can totally understand why having something for closure is really important um so like the fact that she promised them that and then died a death that didn't allow them to do the same for her yes really emphasizes that yes. sort of like ultimate sacrifice yep. like and, it, and then yeah. and then even with 
her body physically destroying, her quirk destroys is is falling apart. Like I I loved it when he broke. Like do you, I love the two little bandits two, that like two like uh, uh, yes yeah, Kashiko Kashi convicted robber and murderer and he's like yeah no why'd everyone go to the big cities you know let's hang out and chill like on the outskirts and then they get caught by all for one he busts through the wall uh, and he's looking crazy like with this long hair like his face is all fucked up the wings are looking fucked up his arm is like burst apart he's trying i haven't to seen a man that tattered since devil man cry baby like he oh, looks rough he like, looks rough and he's like he grabs this dude's face and he's like i'm gonna i'll steal this bystander's quirk and like once he's quirkless i'll give him new order and nice turn like, page yes this turn page and we get star and stripe like nice try idiot and she just like in this vestigial kind of world tells him through this last order of new order like basically all the strength of the quirk is dying out through this last effort to kind of tear you mm -hmm. apart and explains to him like, so like many this, the quirk is dying. This was my last kind of fuck you. I'm going to tear apart a bunch of your quirks and then my quirk is going to die in the process and you can't preserve it. Like this is I love that you to you and you're not going to win no matter what, you know, you lost this situation. It's it's really it's, ironic. It's a, you know, a wash. It's a, yeah. it's a draw. It's 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 not even like a Pyrrhic victory. It's like a Pyrrhic tie, and I love that parallel because he was making fun of her earlier. It's like, oh, by trying to preserve yourself, you lost everything. Yeah, and, and I think he did the same thing. He did the exact same thing. He tried to preserve himself and then didn't gain anything. He only lost things. Yeah, and I think um, as much as I didn't want Star and Stripe to die, I think this is the best route. Kohei could have taken in yeah. like evening things out a little more because it was seeming a little like stacked against like, daunting seems stacked against the hero side with how powerful yeah. for one was his new strength in Shigaraki's like upgraded quirk that could just decay an mm -hmm. entire city within an instant and if you even get touched by it you're decaying too and with like us learning about new order like We've talked in the past about how that quirk on either side of the conflict could be just an overwhelming thing to do. Overwhelmingly useful. Like... So him taking New Order and using it in the way he did to like give Star and Stripe a fantastic like introduction, showing, and like incredible fucking departure within the story, and also using that quirk to weaken all for one in a very significant way, like destroying who knows how many of his quirks by now just feels very well. And it feels like the best way, you know, Kohei could have approached it and, and done it, it as a storyteller feels to me balanced. as much as I didn't want Star and Stripe to die. And even in my reaction, I'm like, fuck man, where was Endeavor? If he showed up, he could have kept her from dying. Ah! For but real. It, it feels like the best thing that could have been done. Yeah. I think for like the sake of the story, it, it, like for balance of the sake of the story, because Star like New Order was overwhelming. Yes. It was too fluid. It was extremely useful. I liked how it was too tempting a prize. It lured Shigaraki AFO out and like it reduced him. So I like that it evened him out because like 
even though he lost like a bunch of quirks, he didn't lose all his quirks. It didn't lose all his quirks. It get, it bought them a week, but yeah. I feel like it could be more, you know. And like it's gonna put him on the back foot for sure. Yes. Like he needs to hide while he's being uh, recuperating. Yeah. So I'm expecting like the League of Villains to act out a little more and like draw attention elsewhere while he hides in a hole and recuperates. Yeah. Um, like not i don't think i'm like you know 5d chess but like if i were me that's what i would do yeah. I mean, uh, no it was it was it was great storytelling like it it definitely forced his hand or at least star and stripes played it where she was like fuck all this red tape i'm going there now it forced mm -hmm. his hand he even said that he was like this is the worst case scenario for me this is the one thing i did not want to happen is star and stripe like coming now early so like I gotta make this play to try and stop her. It's the only thing I can do because he, you know, he kind of noted that if he let her just like convene with the Japanese heroes and sack up against him, he would have had a he tough fight on his hands. So he had to make this gamble to try and still mm -hmm. work, or else he was fucked. And, and if I he love got that the they work, both lost. Like, it's over on my part. Like I can wipe the entire other side of this conflict if I get new order. So mm -hmm. it definitely forced oh, his hand, man. and it, the gamble in the end uh, didn't pay off for him. Yeah, and you know, I we were talking about how. Um, so I like that. Star and Stripes, Kathleen Bates. The first page, her one eye is open, one eye is closed, and it almost seems like she's having two separate expressions at once, and then also having like the hair being different yeah. is a nice throwback to how Shigaraki and AFO are being represented by separate eyes because AFO you only see the eye that's open now you know you only see those parts um you never see Shigaraki's thing and then when uh she has this sort of like um the looming death you know this is my threat from the grave someone will rise up against you other heroes will rise that is inevitable um you can look at shigaraki and all for one they seem much more separated and less entangled entwined enmeshed in that kind of weird like body horror way they seem a little more separated so i think this has kind of broken his hold on him that page on nine kind of reminded me of when uh director netero from hunter hunter fought meruem from the chimera Ant arc where he's just like let me show you the power of human evolution and just like that, that malice the the you know da -dum -ba -dum, just music in the background the giant skull uh, so like it reminded me of that especially since quirks are about evolution so I felt like that was a nice little like toss out um, and I loved uh, I think page 10 is very, extremely important because page, like really like bottom of 8 through 12 into like yeah. 13 is like my favorite part of the chapter man Did yeah continue though so good because like like we'll just go through the eight and through nine like after nine number 10 we got give it a rest the winner is the one who lives the longest so take a hike dead lady uh and he ignores her Someone. but because they're separated um 
you can see Tenko, Shimura, baby Tenko, like loom out of this the clutches of you know all for one's grooming i thought that was Midoriya. no it's tenko oh, look I, at his yeah eye. you can see the scar on his eye you can see the scar on his eye and the kid had dark hair at the beginning he did he did, he did. and then you you see uh, all those hands on him it's definitely it is and he deep down recognizes him as a person that would be able to help and like you know that like tenko shigaraki shimura isn't happy with what all for one is doing with his body like he's just like hey man oh no hey hands off my body it's mine you know they're they've been head butting butting heads all the time but like for the longest time all for one's been on top yeah until now so I think this is a good time. I think it's good to have some Tenko time, you know? It's been proven now, like, Shigaraki knows full and well that, you know, All for One really was using the whole time, just wanted to steal his body at the end of the day. So, like, and if you go back to even his childhood, like, after he activated his quirk and accidentally killed his whole family, like, he did kind of want to fuck his dad up. He didn't really mean to kill the rest of his family. Like the dog was an accident. He was horrified. Yeah. His sister ran up, killed her too. It's decay. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. But his sister like ran up and hugged him and like immediately dissolved. I was like, oh and no. His mom too, like while he was decaying the house and she was decaying, like tried to hug him and said it was okay and shit. And after mm -hmm. that, like what he wanted most was somebody to help him and someone to save him. And all for one just happened to be the first person. Like I think that was. It was set Somewhat up. planned. It I think was it was planned. a setup. I it was a because, setup because he showed up at the perfect time. Because of who he, he showed was. up the perfect time. But at the end of the day, he was looking for like a hero to reach out or like somebody mm -hmm. to reach out. So it's there's that avenue that remains for Deku to break through, which we know he mm -hmm. will, to save Shigaraki from this all for one situation and like the ultimate despair that he's had his entire life and shit. And yes there are people that will reach out a helping hand and, and you know even if you've done these terrible things like be willing to look past those character faults and those those terrible things you've done and like recognize that there is somebody underneath the surface who needs somebody to save yeah. them and help them you can be helped in the now even if what you need is um justice and punishment and redemption and other things that can be dealt with later yeah. but in that moment like sometimes people just need help and yeah. even if you, after helping them you're like i'm gonna sentence you to several life sentences you've done so much harm you know yes it's but um, it's tricky man uh then we go into like the other like kind of uh governmental narration part of the chapter which is fire for me like on uh, starting on page 11, the hunt for Shigaraki resumed immediately. Evidence of a struggle was discovered, but the villain had once again vanished without a trace, leaving the authorities back at square one. The entire world learned of the number one American hero's death that very day. News broke immediately. With the knowledge that even the hero currently hailed as the strongest had fallen to this threat, the nations of the world backed down. This was huge. Like, all of them said, nope, we're done. Because, um... You know, it kind of goes further into the reasoning why on page 12. Self-preservation. of a hero could mean the downfall of a nation. It was decided that there was a greater need for heroes to protect their own homes than to save people of some far-off foreign land. So the dispatch operation was immediately put on hold. 
everybody said, nope, we're done. Fuck it. Star Dude, Salam's a real one. Salam is a real one, but I look. I recently saw his quirk in this. Uh, my uh, my cousin oh, the actually new book? gave me. Uh, is it a new book of the movie? Is it the? It's oh. like a movie kind of. It's just some. Uh, it's. I don't even know if there's any actual story in it, but it's kind of just like a movie. Like a data book, basically. Yeah, like that's the book that came out, the data book, yeah. Yeah, it's a movie data book, kind of explains Salam's quirk, and I was like, he turns into Papyrus, like, can make his body thin like Papyrus and ride the wheel. Oh, he's like the Egyptian edge shot, where he can fold himself up like origami. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna actually be that helpful. No. I mean, edge shot's cool. Edge shot's cool. And Egyptian edge shot, just as cool. I don't but even at the think same time, you apply his ability like edge shot, where edge shot can actually make himself like a little tiny needle and puncture your lung and shit. I don't even think he can do that. Oh, really? Because, oh, man. That was one of edge I shot's mean, like most major moves. Like he did it in the in the Shigaraki, you know, all, like war, the paranormal true, liberation from war. Yeah, I, think. He I remember like, that. He went so through a good. bunch of people so, and they were all like, ah. You know, see, that's why I was like, oh, maybe because like I could see like if he's like Edshot, he's really good. He's really powerful. But at the same time, part of me is just like, I don't know if he'd be good enough to fight all for one in that same like two edge shots doesn't seem as compelling as, you know, something else. Or maybe Papyrus, you know, they might have an ability like Canon from like Naruto from like the Akatsuki where they just like generate tons of paper and they can like craft wings and like other things like you could i've uh i've had friends who have made like throwing stars out of like folded paper and those things hurt like a motherfucker and if you're not careful you'll lose an eye like straight up so like i can see the damage people could do with paper and papyrus like i've seen origami stuff um um shit there's the youtuber that like forged a, a like a knife out of like random crap like in yeah. one of the times it was paper so like, like there's definitely fucking springs and shit and like yeah. mm-hmm. compress them make a knife out of ice you know random things so i could see a, a knife out of paper i could see origami being super useful um but i appreciate salam just being like motherfuckers like we're just going to focus on self-preservation, even if that problem ends up biting us in the ass later because we didn't all join in and stomping it out. Like, yeah, doesn't really sit right with me. And then we get um, this, uh, this last part of the chapter here where one of the pilots is like, yo, we uh, we were recording the whole battle like through the planes. He scanned you know, him. Scanning, you know, and recording the data of the battle through the, the planes that we were flying around. And uh, basically saying, like, we're going to give this data to you because you must already have people kind of studying this dude and, like, figuring out what he's about. So that obviously is going to come into huge play. And it kind of does already in the end of the chapter where, like, through that, they've they've learned that he's been significantly weakened. And they, like you mentioned earlier, kind of bought us a little bit of time, extends mm-hmm. the time frame by a week now. Um, and we get this fire panel at the end of the chapter of the the top three of the class 1a man Midoriya, the three musketeers love them uh, somebody in the live reaction chat on twitch mentioned as well it'd be cool to i think we already got kind of a brief thing like this where Midoriya was explaining his one for all abilities and shit but for him to really just sit down with the class say like this is the full extent of all my abilities 
you know, so you guys can kind of work around me better. And also them to kind of do the same thing to him. I want to see those team attacks. This is how we progress, and this is the new shit that we've been able to unlock with our abilities in the time that you've been away. And these are the new applications that we've come up with and shit. So, like, they can all really mesh together better as a team at this point since Deku's been solo for, like, months and months. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, I just thought of something really cool. So you know how Fujin stores like momentum, right? Mm -hmm. What if like they have hit they hit Deku with the gravity anti gravity? Ojiro uses his tail and whips and flips him into the air, and he spins, 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 and then just charges Ajin, drops the gravity, and then. Uses that stored up thing because, like, with the low gravity, he can spin really quickly, so he can store up a lot of kinetic energy quickly. Use the black whip or um, use Sarah's tape in conjunction with the black whip and like slingshot him at whatever he's going at and just hit him with the like supercharged Ajin. Like, I kind of want to see stuff like that. Yeah, that those kind of applications, I oh. like to see as well. That'd be nice. Combo moves, camaraderie. Gang shit. Yeah, I mean, because they're like, I think the core of the story is that relying on a single hero is harmful for everybody. And the fact that, like, um, oh shoot, I, I recently went to go see a play uh, about how uh, they use the Greek term idiot, that, like, an idiot is the person that exists in a country uh, as, like, and is different from a citizen like a citizen and an idiot is a distinction where idiot is just like they exist in their country and they make their they make their choices and they live their lives in that country and they don't really participate in like the active betterment of that country whereas a citizen is a per like idiots are born citizens are made so like a citizen can graduate from an idiot and like actively participate and actively try to help and like do their civic duties as well as like their personal responsibility to their common folks yeah. you know so like i like that concept and especially when it comes to the idea of like heroes because a lot of people um expect people to save them from the big problem right so like like in the pandemic people were like oh you know what are we supposed to do and we're like we're all supposed to stay home we're supposed to all chill out and like you know wait three weeks tops and then we can go back home but like not not a lot of people wanted to do that on an individual case-by-case -case basis even if we could have all collectively done that and been incentivized to do so we could have done that and now they're like oh well we want this to help us okay well the the vaccine isn't like an amazing it's not like a it's not drix from osmosis jones like it can't save us yeah. from everything there's like you know mutations and and diseases there's you know all kinds of factors so i think that like um treating heroes as like a collective of like upstanding citizens and like being people that are working collectively as a group is way more impactful than relying on a single person yeah what i'm really focusing on yeah <sighs> sorry that was a bit long-winded but like i had to expel my demons you know i had to get that idea out of my head and <laughs> that was that was a good uh ending point i think that's about all i had for this chapter of my hero beautiful chapter very heartfelt 
All right. Well, with that, I think we can go ahead and get right into the final chapter of the night, the Peace de l'Existence, chapter 1032 of One Piece. The numbers always. Beloved Blade. The numbers of the chapters always throw me off and make me laugh a little bit. Just like, bro, what? 1032, man. But uh, we get this, this cool, funny little reader request cover. Um, black cats and Yamato making deliveries to this uh, this old woman that we know from um, adorable Okabure Town, right? The town of leftovers. Yeah. Ah, Wano is healing. <laughs> Wano is healing. Thank you, Kokoro Fukata. But yeah, we start off um, with Marco carrying Izo past Big Mom, and. Um, I'm wondering what moves they're they're planning on making here. I mean, Izo is uh, a person that is pretty well known for like their uh, you know arsenal. Like they're good with mil they're good with artillery. They're good with guns and stuff. Marco, I wonder because as a phoenix, he is a like a mythical creature of fire. So I wonder if he's there to act as like fire suppression like literally like eating like he might be able to suck up the fire as a phoenix or um there's something i saw in manga where they a person used um intense heat to block out explosions like creating a wave of heat that would dull the impact of explosions or using a fire to starve another fire of oxygen so, like, I wonder if, like, Marco is going to just use intense heat to, like, suck up all the oxygen that this bonfire, vengeful bonfire spirit, um, that kabuki-looking guy left behind. Kazenbo, isn't it his name? Yeah, Kazenbo. They they created the Kazenbo. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's getting there. It's, we... that t island's going to go up in smoke yeah. soon. And uh, we we kind of that kind of moves us into this second bit of the chapter, really, where uh, we got Yamato and uh, Apu and Drake. They're right, kind of running mm -hmm. through this room with the numbers or whatever, and they, you know, Robin and Brooke kind of happen upon them with the CP Zero members and Kazembo in chase, and uh, this to me was okay so like we do get the illustration of the where the kazenbo is at at this point it is on the b24 which is only one two three four floors away from the armory and it is able to pass through walls it's burning through walls so it really is just like really a buck situation path. right now it's a time crunch like they need to figure out how to stop this kazenbo spirit quick because it's it's literally passing through walls like i don't even think it's burning through walls i think it's literally like ethereal able to pass phasing through, through physical walls is it's, it's going like oh no do you th okay so i was thinking either marco or brooks will be the main ones to like deal with the kazango ice yeah brooks, brooks. Ice could come into play but uh, it was it was a little disappointing to me that the CP zero confrontation was kind of passed off onto Apu and Drake. It's kind of hype because we'll get to see them flex a little bit in combat. But 
I really did want to see um, Brooke and Robin kind of flex, but I don't know. It does it does make more sense, I guess, if you want to think about it in a power scaling sense that Apu and Drake would handle these guys because. I think I don't think X Drake and Apu are gonna like win though. No, they'll probably you know be I mean? able to weaken them a little bit. They'll and weaken them off. They'll buy them enough time for Brooks to deal with the Kazenbo, and then they'll have uh, the face-off between Brooks Robin versus the two CP zeros. So, I feel like that's kind of the trajectory. <laughs> I loved how it became like a Pooh versus Drake, and then it's like the enemy of my enemy is my friend, and you stabbed me like immediately. So. Yeah. I'm going well, after you. Apu antagonized him. He'd snap pictures of him and said, hey, I wonder what Morgans will pay for these pictures of y'all on dirty business here in Kaido's castle. What's up, man? Oh, yeah. Lapdogs, the celestial dragon, spot in Kaido's castle. Breaking news. And they're like, we're going to kill you faster than Epstein. Doflamingo, the government has finally stooped to, and he's like, don't get in over your head. Blitzes him with the Shigan, like, bow, hits him. Mm-hmm. They're like, let's wrap this up like Epstein. Right. And he's like, nope, I got arm at hockey. You can't suicide me that fast. Yeah, and then they, you know, they team up here. We're going to get Drake and Apu versus the uh, the CP0 guys here. So that's that's all right. And then that moves us into this Zoro, the, you know, what brings us like through the end pretty much until we get the Orochi stuff. But the Zoro, obviously there's some comedy integrated into their... Um, goofy goofy yeah. you know which we should have expected especially with like the back in the queen fight we got when he was like launching the snake out of his body and he's like mm -hmm. this is how brachiosaurus has always behaved in the past and sanji is like no fucking way get out of here you're so fucking i don't stupid. believe you it's funny that we get zoro like ah oh, i had no idea like he just completely believes it but he's just i love the was, dichotomy when he was stretching his shit back like and he was like nee, i was like so off put by that i like totally dude didn't it, expect it man I'm like, i didn't oh, like that the nose bone was connected to the tip ponytail bone it just it hurt me it hurt me a lot i was right. just like ah oh, this is this is awful but Page 10, bottom thing, when he's saying Imperial, he's definitely doing that little, I got that moment where he's doing the little fuckboy face, like, mm. yeah, <laughs> like, Imperial uh, deep pride steak, and just, that thing's got a lot of stopping power behind it, it blows the fucking shit apart. Dude, he's like a rubber band man a little bit, like, like a woodpecker meets rubber, like Elastaman, you know, it's just like, what is this? Yeah, um, the pteranodons of the ancient past hunted their prey just like this. Damn it, I had no idea. And he's like, uh, he's stuck on the ground trying to throw, you know, aerial attacks at him. And King's pretty much just like, it's shrugging his shit off, you know, dodges the 360 pound Phoenix, eats the black robe dragon twister with the, the armament hockey wings or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, then we get a little bit of hinting at possibly King's race's abilities where. Zoro's He's like, like a Lunar. Yeah, the maybe. dinosaurs, you guys soak up damage like nobody's business, huh? True, but in my specific case, it goes even beyond that. So, <clears throat> does King's race, like a specific ability he gets from like being a part of his race, like it maybe has something to do with damage soak or like durability? And also, I wonder. Flying, you know, is kind of hinted at. Uh, you know, Zoro was pointing out that, like, 
he was pointing out like the flames on his back can't maintained after he transformed and he's like i thought the flames on his back were um a devil fruit ability but that might not be the case i think that's a tie to his race i think it might be like the lunarians or whatever yes. uh kind of stuff that they uh borrowed to give sanji the flaming ability yep you know so i i think that like his power is probably beat up like fueled by emotions whether excitement or resentment or anger or pride um possibly just like by fighting zoro and getting worked up by fighting a strong opponent his flame is burning hotter and he's just slowly getting like a little stronger because he's taken like he's putting zoro through the ringer a little bit he's just like man he's barely taking any hits like <clears throat> he can fly i don't like i'm getting wrecked it's cool to see this this um thought from zoro this level of like thought and like he's trying to deduce king's ability this is something we rarely see from Zoro where he's actually being no. able to press to his limits and having to really think about the opponent's abilities and how he's going to counteract them in order to win the fight. Like, we've only seen it a few times as far as I can remember, like Mr. One in Alabasta, Pika in Dressrosa, and like now is like the three times I can really remember where he's had to really think about the opponent's like ability, how to counter it, how to conquer it, you know? absolutely it's something that feels good to see especially from zoro because you know it's a well-noted thing like since the time skip especially we don't see zoro like really struggle that often and so it's yeah really nice i to mean see him have to turn up and struggle think deduce and you know flex his uh his his try hard as well as his or not his fighting ability but his uh deductive mental ability as well as his fighting prowess and strength I really appreciate that because, like, Zoro reminds me of the Shinsengumi guy from Moroni Kenshin, where he's just like does that like <coughs> stabbing style. He's just like, ah, uh, yeah, and he does like that fast spear thrust, and he smokes everyone. He's like, he like almost like a Deus Ex Machina style character, where he's like, oh, we're we're at the tight ropes. Well, we bust out this guy, and you know he's cold blooded and. He, I can't remember his name. Yeah, I never remember his name, but you know exactly who I'm talking about. The slicked back hair, he had the uniform, he was part of the Shinsengumi at one point. One slice, one kill, you know, kind of guy. And so I like that Zoro is actually, like, struggling. And, like, this... Saito. Yes, Saito. Like, Zoro yeah. was the Saito of this series, because he was just like, oh, I'm just going to deal with all the problems, Saito. you know? Because Zoro handled himself a well in almost every arc you know like it's nice to see him really struggle against like these emperors like yeah. like kaido and now against uh king and stuff um i agree man shout out hajime saito shout out yosuke Ibuchi for playing such a great character and voicing him so well but um yeah, yeah i definitely agree with all your points for real um and, uh, what do you think about this last part of the chapter where like Zoro's laying on the ground. All of a sudden, he starts to hear a shamisen. And right at that moment, like, Enma kind of activates and starts to suck out some of his hockey. And then that moves us into this scene where, 
Orochi's kind of chilling and he hears the shamisen as well and then um Komurasaki or fucking uh, 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 Hiori is in the other room playing it and is like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, uh, like I'm, I'm always, I always want to be by your side, Lord Orochi. Like, dude, yeah, she almost seems like a, like, like a very dreamlike quality. Like, even he says, like, if this is a dream, I don't want to wake up. And she seems like, like that zoom in on like 17 on her face is like, she's too glorious, right? Like, too bright. Um, so i wonder if it's like a spirit or a ghost or maybe more magic because they dealt with that witch that one time but the witch was on orochimaru's side or utilizing him you know so i don't think she'd use it and the sword activating to the shamisen because komurasaki was like odin's like main squeeze for a while right no not odin's Uh, komurasaki was orochi's main squeeze for the longest yeah yeah but like did she have interactions with um odin Odin? yeah she's odin's daughter like so back when they were younger yeah okay so i think that makes sense so that actually changes for me the title of the chapter right so where are you going with this odin's beloved the blade right so it's activated yeah, it's it's activated by, uh, you know, love. You know what I mean? I think that's really interesting because like I, I I you always see like evil swords. They're unlocked by bloodlust, and through them you can k- truly kill an opponent, destroy their soul. But I like a sword that's powering up from like nostalgia, love, affection, like the remembrance of others. She's playing a song that like her father probably liked it's probably like one of his songs that he like danced and sang to you know and then that's what the sword is resonating to because it still has spirit right like things are mementos of the people that are gone so i like the idea of like the spirit resonating with the people that survive because like wano is about survival right it's not about it's like we want to survive we don't want to make the people who died in vain that kind of thing we want to remember so i I like the sword being activated by like remembrance and love honestly like it is a beloved blade it is the blade of odin's beloved you know yeah so i'm i'm trying to think of like where i was taking it is the relation between enma and amino habakiri and like how they function together because <clears throat> with the chapter title Odin's Beloved Blade, you would think of Enma when you read that. But mm-hmm. where you could also take it the other other direction, like we've gotten very little like shine and uh explanation and it, like just delving into Ameno Habakiri and how it functions, what it does. And I'm even seeing, like, when I kind of look it up here, some Reddit threads, you know, uh, Enma, Enma versus Amino Habakiri. Like, uh, the main thing that comes up, uh, if Enma can take the hockey out of someone's body, severely draining them, what if Amino Habakiri could do the opposite? Oh, so, giving. Yes, yes, yes. So what if this is literally, like, as she's playing the music here, it's somehow, you know linked to enma here and it's taking zoro's hockey through enma feeding it into amino habakiri which is concealed somewhere on hiori's uh person here 
and she's about to fucking really activate and kill Orochi, oh, satisfying her vengeance. She said she'd love to kill Orochi herself when she was laying with fucking Zoro. Good, good for her. And she could really satisfy her vengeance and like, you know, just you know, kill him in Odin's name, and that would fucking. That'd be super satisfying. That would be super satisfying. And it's like Carrie or uh fucking sense. It'd be like Carrie or Jennifer's body or uh like Midsummer. It's very good for her energy. Just like good for her. It would make That's total fun. sense because like Enma's darkness, Amino Habakiri's light. In the actual Japanese lore of the storytelling, Ameno Habakiri is the blade that's uh, that that slayed the um, Yamato no Orochi, which is oh the eight-headed serpent. Yes, so it would make total narrative. That explains sense. why the room's so bright too. Shape and form, bro. Like this is that's something I'm fitting. So Dude, hockey to empower herself through fucking Ameno Habakiri, and she's about to activate on Orochi and kill the fuck out of him. I hope Dude, not that's that. so cool. Normally, I feel like I, I'm like mythology is like my bag, but like Japanese mythology isn't something I'm super, super strong on. So like, that's great stuff, dude. Um, and that totally explains why the room's so bright, too, because it's charging up. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, that's that's man. That's 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 fantastic Ooh. because she's. Because I was really thrown by why she's like, ah, yes, my neither can I, my lord. I'm always, always by your side. And uh, just like, she seemed too happy to see him. And I'm like, I don't get it. You know, I was just yeah. like, I'm ready for that that switch, that whole heel turn a little bit. I am too. I can't wait I for that kind uh, of backstory. I think that's really all I had for this chapter one piece. I think next chapter we will probably, like... We'll probably go into this, like, we'll probably get a lot of this Orochi shit next chapter with, like, hopefully, hopefully she just fucking kills him. That'd be tight as fuck. But I think yes. we'll, we'll stay away from the Luffy shit because I think all these fights need to resolve. I've been saying this. All these fights need to resolve so that everybody can kind of make their way to where Luffy's at or, like, have a, the ability to see the resolution of the fight because they all have made comments as to how they want to witness him becoming, you know, the Pirate King, quote-unquote, like, conquering an emperor you know yeah he needs to get that thing so i definitely th i agree with you that like these fights need to be finished uh the kazan bow needs to be stopped yes i my money's on brooks and maybe a little bit of marco mm -hmm. uh, but brooks other than that yeah. Part, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah i, I think, think that, that'll yeah, be that it, does it for this uh this chapter of one piece for me nice fun ch chapter the the rubbery face head spear with the like the wacky woodpecker attack yeah. really threw me off but other than that like i really enjoyed it that's oda though straight up like that's Oda. yeah Andrew. he's always gonna incorporate these goofy ass like comedy fantasy pseudoscience pseudo, mm -hmm. you know history elements into his story which i love it's i like the parallel cool. loop between like sanji's disbelief and zoro's just like well i'm too yeah. ignorant to know otherwise yeah, so yeah sanji's sure man like, like actual knowledge and he's like you yeah the yeah fucking right and zoro's yeah like oh, well, i mean I you're doing know. it so obviously you it's know. a thing <clears throat> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'll do it for this ep chapter of one piece and that'll do it for this episode of the project manga podcast Thank you all so much for watching. If you did, be sure to slap a like on this video. 
Be sure to subscribe to the channel for more fire ass content weekly. Make sure you comment down in that comment section down below. Let us know what you thought of this weekend jump. Let us know if you thought we missed anything. And uh, yeah, just talk to us down there. We'd love to have you uh, converse with us. And as we said before, take a look in that description box down below while you're down there. You can find links to any and all of our individual social media accounts, such as Twitter, online communities like Discord, audio listening platforms, whichever you prefer, you can find us there, as well as links to support the podcast through our online shop or our Patreon. And with all those words said, this will be another stupendous episode of the Project Manga Podcast. Wrapping up, I'm your host, Eagle. And I'm Melo Yenis. Sarah. Sarah.